She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Politics today is a lot less about ideology and a lot more about the disconnect between the people who make our laws and the people that live underneath them. If you want to understand 2010, 2014, 2016, and I believe future elections, you have to understand that there's an enormous gap between what public policy elites, people in government, the media and academia are focused on and what everyday people care about. And they're not lined up. And so I think there's a sense across the American political spectrum that the people in office spend all their time fighting for things that don't matter in the real world. And the things that matter in the real world aren't getting enough attention. And, and so they want to send people that are going to blow it up, that are basically going to force change in the status quo. And the more the established figures in politics attack you, the stronger it makes you in the eyes of people that want to see something different. His analysis, I think, is spot on. It explains both Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. It explains Bernie Sanders' surge, as well as Andrew Gillum's victory. The extremes are running both parties because they're exciting both groups of voters. Wow. So, okay, listen. Welcome back to the show. And I just have to say that the news, the one news now and Fox News clips at the top there, right before we came back, where they were talking about giving the cows the seaweed. So are these dairy cows, like cows that make milk? Because if the cows are making the milk that we're drinking, do we want to drink milk that has seaweed in it? Seaweed is not exactly something that humans can consume, or can we? I know, I'm, I, so I'm not a rare foods chef or, or somebody that runs around eating, like some people go out of their way to eat things that are not normally considered for human consumption. And they do that because they, you know, that's just something they like to do. I'm not one of those people. I don't want to eat cows that have eaten seaweed. I don't want to eat cows that have been forced to produce less methane. I just want to eat regular cow, but from a farm here locally, I like to get our cows, our, our meat from a local farm which you should do. If you've not tried it, it tastes so different. It's It tastes much better because the local farmers actually have like a relationship with their cows where they, you know, most of them are named and they interact with them and they taste so much better than the meat that you get at the grocery store, which isn't bad. I mean, it's the grocery store cow meat is delicious too, but it's amazing the difference in the taste. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just wonder, so did they first make sure that it's seaweed that's safe for human consumption? And have they tasted the milk from the cows that are eating the seaweed to see if the milk from those cows tastes differently? I mean, I have a lot of questions. And uh, even if you answer all those, I'm still thinking I'm, I'm a no. Like I would want the seaweed cow meat labeled that it came from cows that ate seaweed. It's just me. That's how I am. That's how I would... Um, yeah, that's what I would that's what I want. All right, welcome back to the show. We actually just heard oh my producer said there's uh so Jason Tross, Jay Tross, um, who is normally you hear and see him on the Hamilton Corner. He's filling in as executive producer, which was his old role on the show. Now he's back chilling out with us today uh, and yesterday because my producer is, is having some time off. And he just sent me a note saying, Hey, um, you know, there are seaweed food products, but I think I'll pass. I'm with Jason. I'll pass as well. Um, you know, I just don't, I don't have any desire to eat that. 
And it's fine if, if people do want it, but I just don't want all the cows to be given the seaweed because then I won't have an option of not having a cow that's had seaweed. But I, I will reach out to the farm that supplies our side of beef that we get on a yearly basis. And I'm going to ask her. She and her husband are both veterinarians. They're both like these are farmers, but they are well educated and they have been farming for decades. And I'm going to ask her if they plan to do the same thing with their cows because I don't want any seaweed cow. I don't. I don't want any. All right. So you just heard uh, Marco Rubio commenting on the public policy priorities and how the elites, and when I say they're elites, so an elite is someone who operates and lives in a way that is completely different from the way us regular folks, you know, we pick up our own kids from school, we pump our own gas, we buy our own groceries, or we order it and have it delivered. And we really are much more, you know, kind of like your regular run-of-the-mill people. And then you have elites who they have drivers, they have, and, and these are government officials. These are elected officials. So they shouldn't be elites, but they are because we pay them too much, to be quite honest. And there's too much power centrally located in Washington, D.C. And when we say that these so-called elites have this enormous gap between themselves and everyday people, well, they do. And so they govern that way. And what Americans are doing by sending all of these non-politicians to Washington, D.C. is they're trying to bust it up, trying to take a sledgehammer to it. And I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see that actually occur because we need that refresh. It's, it's like, you, you know, you, you must have had this happen to you before where you maybe go into your garage and you look around. You're like, whoa, when's the last time I cleaned this place out? You know, stuff just starts stacking up. One person puts something down and someone else puts something down. And the next thing you know, you're like, when's the last time this place was addressed? So you then go out and you clean it out. You, you know, put stuff back where it belongs, wipe everything down, whatever. Um, hose the floor off, whatever, whatever you feel like you need to do. And Washington, D.C. is well overdue for one of those. It's like it's it's the power is all hoarded there. It's like a, a person who has 37 cats and they're living in there with like news, 20 years worth of newspaper cats and 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 whatever other rodents and beasts are living in there that they've just ignored because they're completely oblivious to how filthy everything is. That's the condition of Washington, D.C. And we need people to go in and clean it out. That's what President Trump is trying to do. And that's why everyone's trying to stop him. And, you know, as a flawed individual, which is what he is, we are all flawed individuals, but he, he happens to be a man of, you know, outsized everything, including the flaws. But he's doing things that Mitt Romney never would have done. Never. He's doing things Jeb Bush never would have done. So we have to be willing to see it through. And to pray for those who are elected over us, just like we had to pray for Barack Obama and Bill Clinton and George Bush. We got to pray for Donald Trump. Um, so now I want to listen. Speaking of prayer, Nancy Pelosi says she believes in the power of prayer. Now I don't know who she's praying to. Sounds to me like she's been praying to the wrong the wrong direction. To the, her prayers have been going in the wrong way. They've been instead of going up, they've been going down. Here she is talking about why she believes in the power of prayer. It's number two. Speaking of women's rights, can we stop Kavanaugh and how? I pray a lot. <laughs> I believe in the power of prayer, and I think it is urgent. 
the, uh, this, of course, is a Senate matter in terms of confirmation. But all those groups I talked about, they're out there on Kavanaugh, too, because it, it's a danger to affordable health care, women's right to choose, any stare decisis, the Brown versus the Board of Education, civil rights, voting rights, environmental protection, and the rest. So this is as serious as it gets. And again, public sentiment. If the public is aware of what it means to them in their lives, elections have ramifications. So she said on women's rights, which is a euphemism for abortion, that she prays for the women's rights. So she prays for the right to destroy human lives in the womb. So those prayers are not going up. God is not answering those prayers. The fact that abortion is still legal is not a, a, a uh, it's not a evidence that people who pray for abortion are getting their prayers answered. And the fact that she would say that, well, I mean, I, you guys know she's able to take communion as a practicing Catholic in California uh, where she lives, but she is refused. She's denied communion as being outside of the church's teachings on abortion in, uh, and reproduction, all of it, uh, in Washington, D.C., where she spends the majority of her time. They do not give her communion in D.C., and they should not, and, and they shouldn't be giving it to her when she's in California. But anyway, uh, she definitely has, I mean, it's just such a repugnant view. It's crazy. All right, let's get to this fantastic information about AB 2943. And if you want to call in, hey, it's Friday. It's it's your day. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. So this is something we covered on the show, and I'm so happy to report this result back. And there's something that is it's worth pointing out in the story, and we'll get to that. So it's an incredible answer to prayers of thousands of people across the country who joined in in opposing California's controversial AB 2943. Assemblymember Evan Lowe was the author of this legislation. The legislation would have basically made it illegal for counselors, ministry leaders, pastors, anyone who was doing any kind of counseling um, to give anyone any, any kind of information about not being transgender, not being, you know, not suffering from body dysmorphia. In other words, if they came in and said, I'm suffering from body dysmorphia, this bill, AB 2943, would have forced Christian organizations and everyone else to say, and good for you. How can we help you to be more solid in your belief that you're in the wrong body? Instead of saying the Bible has the answer, Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. There's a way to, to, you know, for you to be set free from this. So apparently it was um, a few months that this assembly member, Lowe, spent traveling up and down the state, meeting with a wide variety of faith leaders that changed his mind. So instead of everybody just saying, well, there's nothing we can do, he's just going to put this bill up. No, they, they went on the radio. They, we had people uh, on, from California Family Council. I know we had someone from there on our program to talk about this. Um, and these individuals, after doing some media and radio and continuing to pray about it, they sought this man out and said, before you present this bill, why don't you find out what we're doing? 
can you come visit us? Come and find out what we're saying to people who are suffering from body dysmorphia. Find out what the Bible says about it and in our view. Don't prevent us from telling the truth to these people. Come find out what we're saying before you present your bill. Well, he personally met Assemblyman Lowe with pastors, professional counselors, former homosexuals who lead ministries to others in the LGBT community. And then he said, after meeting with them, I want to continue the dialogue. I want to move beyond this legislative session into um, the next legislative session because I don't feel like I've heard from everyone enough. I've learned a lot and I don't feel like the bill is ready for submission right now. He says, with a hopeful eye toward the future, I share with you that despite the support the bill received in the Assembly and Senate, I will not be sending it to the governor this year. This was re- received with relief and gratitude by Jonathan Keller, president of the California Family Council. So the thing that sticks out here is that when we as Christians say, nope, that doesn't sound like a good idea. And then we start off with prayer. That's where we begin. And then we reach out and actually reach out to the legislator who's presenting the bill, the people who are considering making the change, whether it's local or it's statewide. And then we bring them in and say, please, can we talk about this? Instead of just having us protest you at the Capitol, come in, talk to us. Let us show you what we're doing. Let us show you what we believe so you can understand why this is harmful to us. This is a victory. Uh, And obviously he says he's not going to send it to the governor this term. So he's going to wait until next term. So he's doing some more research. So it's not done. We still need to continue to pray about this. But look at the magnitude of the result and how wonderful it is. And in California, which is a state that we often, you know, we oh, California, you know, the left coast and all this other stuff about it. We can still get good results, but we have to be willing to work. And so I was really excited about that story when I got it today. Um, And I'm happy to share it with you here on the air. It's also on my Facebook page. And if you wouldn't mind sharing it as, you know, one of your last social media things you're going to do before the weekend, if you're unplugging, share it to your page so other people can be encouraged that we can get victories, even in California, when we reach out and do that hard work of talking and convincing these elected officials. All right. We'll be back with more right after these messages. Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. For the last two years, we've just had tremendous response, early response to the announcement they were going to Israel on a Holy Land tour. We're going March of this year. We go March of every year. Last year, we filled up like early fall, and I expect us to fill up early fall this year as well. So if you're interested in this March 14th through the 22nd tour, and you'll be going with primarily supporters of AFA and AFR, just get the brochure and check it out. You can call us today at 800-FAMILIES, 800-F-A-M-I-L-I-E-S, option 5, and leave us your name and your address, and we'll mail you a brochure. If you simply want to go online, all the information is there. It's at twholyland.com, twholyland.com. 
Bluebonnet.com. If you want to go in March, we're filling up and we're filling up fast. So check it out, TWHolyLand.com. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Does the 14th Amendment automatically grant citizenship to anyone born in this country? That is the current policy of this government, but a number of constitutional scholars disagree. I've written about this in the past and want to focus on it again, but I've also noticed that a number of conservative lawyers who have been on my radio program accept the government's policy. So if you think the policy should be changed, I would recommend you start by convincing fellow conservatives and constitutionalists. Michael Anton is a lecturer at Hillsdale College, and he writes in the Washington Post that citizenship should not be a birthright. He says, quote, the notion that simply being born within the geographical limits of the United States automatically confers U.S. citizenship is an absurdity, historically, constitutionally, philosophically, and practically. The purpose of the 14th Amendment was to resolve the question of citizenship of freed slaves. Essentially, it was needed to overturn the Dred Scott Supreme Court decision. Second, the amendment specifies two criteria for American citizenship, birth or naturalization, and being subject to U.S. jurisdiction. It is that second point that has been used to justify birthright citizenship. Government officials argue that subject to the jurisdiction simply means they're subject to American law. Therefore, you can argue that a tourist is subject to the laws of America while in this country, but that appears to be a misreading of the amendment. Michael Anton says that the problem can be fixed if Congress would clarify legislatively that children of non-citizens are not subject to the jurisdiction of the United States and thus not citizens under the 14th Amendment. Although that may be true, he needs to start by convincing his fellow conservatives that such a change needs to be made. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Trump is winning and winning and winning. He's winning on judges. He's winning on NAFTA negotiation with Mexico. He just won in the primaries once again this week. And despite all of the effort of the liberal media, what you see is a steady consolidation of a set of ideas. And and I I want to raise this California thing because it may become one of the great moments in American history. Uh, The candidate for governor of California, who was the former mayor of San Francisco, a city which now has a specialty patrol going around every single day, cleaning up human feces because they have so many people who are defecating the street. I mean, this guy now wants to do for all of California what he's done for San Francisco. And it combines with what Senator Feinstein did in the Senate. She introduced a bill that is essentially an open borders bill. Now, he basically comes along and says, I'd like to make sure that if you get across the border, you'll get free health care. Well, you know, if, if the Gavin Newsom model works, you realize all around the planet, Yep. How many people who have a disease are going to say, you know, I just got to get to California for my free health care. This is close to madness. Mm. Well, Newt Gingrich, he's he's always just right there. Just right there. He's always right on top of it. Welcome back to the show here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Go to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com to find out more about the hosts on the network and different things that we have available for you there on the websites. Also, I want to go to the phones because it's Friday and I love chatting with the listeners on Fridays. So we have a caller from Arkansas. 
Um, Lynn, thank you so much for calling into the show. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I just had um, a comment about the seaweed and the cows and everything. Mm. First of all, I know climate change is bogus and they're, you know, having all these um, solutions that, well, anyway. But as far as seaweed goes, seaweed is actually really nutritious. But um, I have heard that because of, uh, I think it was called Fukushima in Japan, the deal where the radiation went into the ocean. Mm-hmm that um, there's radiation in a lot of different areas, and you really don't know where all it is. And um, I stayed in California for three years, and before I went, somebody was telling me about the radiation, the effects um, that they had found on the coast in California. Yeah. And so anyway, and then when I was there, there were dead animals washing up and stuff. So... Um, I'm not a rabid environmentalist or anything like that, but I am kind of cautious about um, areas where you get something out of the ocean because you really, you know, it's kind of iffy. <laughs> you make a good point, Lynn. And and so I've read the same thing. In fact, they recommend that when you're at the grocery store, especially for us Midwesterners, people in the middle of the country, when you're buying like your shrimp and stuff, your your seafood, that you check and see if it's from the areas of the country, the, the areas of the Pacific that have the uh, elevated radiation. And I think it's kind of fascinating that they would put seaweed into the cows, which the cows are not contaminated, at least the ones in the Midwest aren't. But if they feed them seaweed, they could be. That's a fascinating point that you bring up. I hadn't even considered that. I was just thinking about just the taste of the seaweed. And I don't even know if it has a strong taste because I haven't eaten any. Um, it's kind of got a salty taste. Um, I know that in health food stores they have um, seaweed that you can eat as a snack, like that comes in a little package, and then they have it for seasoning and all kinds of different things. People put it in soup. Supposed to be really good for you. Mm. All right, but, Lynn. But I'll take really it from if... you. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I mean, I'm just saying. I just don't. I, I'm just not wanting. So I'm one of those people who. If something works, I don't want you changing it. I don't want you coming in and like, we should add seaweed to these so we can stop them from, you know, pushing out methane. Why? So it's it's as if people don't think, and I know it's godless individuals who worship the climate, but Lynn, you and I both know that God was aware. He knows all things from now to, you know, the end. He's at the beginning. He's at the end. He's in between. He's everywhere. He is in all things. He's in all the dimensions we don't even know about yet. And he's in ours. He is not shocked that cows emit methane. It is not a danger to our climate, quote unquote. And the fact that our farmers are wasting time on this is just a travesty. Yeah. Um, A long time ago on a talk show, I think it was Point of View, um, there was a woman talking about climate change back then. They called it global warming. And she um, had been to some of those meetings that the the people who want the one world government and all that. And they had said that that was going to be um, basically a uh, strategy to bring people together. And that was, that was in the nineties. So more obfuscation. I can't even handle it. I'm just like, you know, it's one thing when they're talking about the climate and they want people to worship it and, you know, turn your electricity off and sit around and don't watch TV and stuff like that. It's a total another thing when they're messing with the cows. 
Like, I want them to stay away from the cows. Like, you know what I mean? There's some stuff you just got to keep your hands off of. And that and those cows are one of those things. Not only are they wonderful, magnificent beasts, but they're tasty. And we shouldn't mess around with them. <laughs> well, I think that the climate change people, a lot of them want to go towards uh, making uh, everybody vegetarian, period. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn, have a happy um, Labor Day and a great weekend. Thanks for calling into the show. You too. All right. Okay. Bye. <laughs> I'm talking to the listeners. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I I got to say that Jason Trost has a little bit of, uh, he's got he's got jokes today. He's talking about, yeah, it's seaweed tastes salty like the ocean. Yes. Yes, Jason. I called on a person who was also not on the phone anymore because I already talked to them because I'm like, I must be having senior brain today. And now I'm surprised that seaweed is salty. Hey, this is this is who I am today. I haven't had enough coffee or something's going on. <laughs> All right, let's go to the phones and talk to Joy in Colorado. Thanks for calling into the show. <laughs> hey, Stacy, How are you? Longtime listener of the show. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> But I definitely wanted to ask you about the billboard in California. So I just wanted to know if you knew who was backing that billboard. Because, I mean, you know, abortion is what it is. But, I mean, you know, we've got Planned Parenthood. And so we understand Planned Parenthood. But now we've got this new company, whoever they are, Mm A-F-I-Y-A. But, you know, I I went on their site, but I just don't know much about them and why they would say abortion is self-care. Okay, so that billboard that you saw, I I tweeted about it, and there's been a few stories over at Western Journal, Twitchy, a few places have written about it. And um, actually... I'm going to give you uh, Pastor Stephen Brody, Broden, Pastor Stephen Broden. Oh, don't let me mess his name up. Um, He is amazing, Pastor Stephen Broden. So what he did was he put out a board, a billboard, and it's in Dallas, Mm -hmm. Texas. And these are pro-life billboards that are going out across the country. But the particular one that this Afia billboard that everyone's so up in arms about, about the spa, you know, an abortion, that one is a response to his billboard. And it, his billboard says, abortion is not health care. It hurts women and murders their babies. Black pro-life coalition dot life. And that's his website, Pastor Stephen Broden. And he has a mom. She's black. And she has a cute little black baby there who's asleep. And she's looking at him. And that's the billboard that they have. So in response to that, the AFIA organization, which is the only organization in all of Texas that is run by a board of directors that is all black women, they put up billboards in response saying that abortion is self-care. Now, I tweeted out that, you know, so you're basically saying it's like a day at the spa. It's not. It's abortion. It ends a life. And so, the, you know, so this is the, the, the goings on that's happening. The reason people are so up in arms is because the picture shows, if you've, you've seen it, it's three attractive black women smiling at each other like they're leaving a restaurant for you know like when women go out and have you know they eat wings and and drink sodas at happy hour and then you know go to a movie together or something you know just hey let's get away from the husband and the kids and have a few minutes to ourselves that's not what abortion is like like that is not even close to what it's like so there i actually took part in a letter that we wrote to essence magazine a bunch of pro-life pregnancy resource centers and pro-life leaders and they allowed me to join in 
to express our horror at this article that Essence Magazine published that basically says that pregnancy resource centers lie about the services that they provide to women and that they're not safe for women. Like if you go to a pregnancy resource center, it's basically like a place where you could get kidnapped or harmed, which is couldn't be further from the truth. So we wrote a letter saying, you know, Essence Magazine, which gears towards black women, should not lie to them about what pregnancy resource centers do. But this is a concerted effort for them to strike back at the success and expansion of pregnancy resource centers across the country. Pregnancy resource centers are actually streamlining their operations. Previous, like previous decades, they wouldn't offer contraception because they felt like it went against the mandate. But now they do. They offer STD testing. They, They basically operate like a clinic and they have nurses and nurse practitioners on staff. And what happens is when girls go in there, they can get STD testing, they can get contraception. So it's a direct competitor to Planned Parenthood, only you can't get an abortion there. And if a woman goes into a pregnancy resource center and says, I'm going to have this abortion, the pregnancy resource center will say, we're going to pray for you. We hope that you won't. If you change your mind, contact us. After you've had the abortion, contact us. We want to give you care. We want you to join our Bible study. Even if you have the abortion, we still want to work with you. And that is how we're dragging these young women and these girls out of the clutches of Planned Parenthood. And they don't like seeing that. They don't like all the lives that are being saved. And the the fact that women are learning that you don't have to get pregnant and use Planned Parenthood for contraception. You don't have to do that. Wow. And that's why they have the billboard. And I just, I mean, that was just, to me, a smack in the face to black women. And I was just like this. You know, I was just curious how it just focused on black women. So, um, well, it's a black organization and they're, they're focused on black women mainly because a lot of the the pregnancy resource centers, I, I, and this is something I just learned. A lot of the pregnancy resource centers across the country are run by black women. Right. So, you know, it's, it's as if we're saying, Hey, we know that this is decimating our community. And we trust God and we right. love him and we want to work for him. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to be involved in this. And leading the Bible study right. is a lot of black women. I mean, I, around here locally, it's a mix of women. But one of the largest organizations is right. headed up by a black woman here in St. Louis. And she's, she's I, I, I rarely see someone so finely tuned to what God wants them to do. And she operates right. like a sword, a sharpened sword on behalf of the pro-life movement. And she's not alone. There are women like her across the country. They're silent warriors saving babies' lives one month at a time. They actually keep a tally of how many they save. So it's, it's uh, right. that's why they got the billboard up. But I tell you what, they can't come against this. We're doing God's work exactly. in, in supporting life, and we're going to And I win. really like that program you're working with. I'm, I'm going to, you know, start committing to helping them out because I like what they're doing. They're doing just more than, you know, just, oh, donate to us. They're doing, like you said, assisting with rent, pampers, and a lot of other things, getting in there and, you know, um, you know helping with, counseling and things like that so mm-hmm. i really it's, like it's that good. So, it's good it's really thank you good for just answering those questions i appreciate sure. that thank you for being you know, a long time listener i always share your site with folks so thanks a lot stacy well thank you i appreciate that have a happy labor day and um we'll be back next week with more we, we're we're having a great show today i'm so glad that we're getting to take calls um if you want to get in we still have uh one more segment after this one where we're going to be talking about so yesterday on the show we actually had 
um, some questions about George Soros. And so I did a little bit of research, but I knew I wouldn't be able to do all of the information in today's show. So on Tuesday, we are going to have all of the info on George Soros. Now, the last segment will still be taking calls, but I have a bit of audio from Dinesh D'Souza. Now, he's been on my program twice, three times before, I believe. Um, and, and I would love for him to come on and talk about George Soros. And so I will ask, but he is very, very busy. And so, you know, it's usually easier to book people of his stature uh, a few weeks in advance. And then that, that gives them time to put it on their calendar and, and, and it makes more sense. But I will reach out and see if he'll come on. Um, he's one of the preeminent experts on George Soros and the work that he's done ar- around the world. And listening to the different pieces that I found, um, in particular, one interview with 60 Minutes where he was asked about his time as a teenager confiscating the property from Jewish people and how that came to be. Um, I learned that George Soros, so like with many, many people who are evildoers, he has actually a significant amount of work that he's done that's been good. He's donated millions of dollars of his own personal wealth to different people in different countries. He's also destroyed economies. He's also stolen from the middle class in many, many countries their wealth by tanking their their uh, their financial systems through devaluing their money. And he is, to me, an existential threat to our way of living here in America. Um, that being said, he is an interesting individual. And so the information that I found, I mean, I just was, I was, I'm still a bit in shock because I thought I knew quite a bit about George Soros and, and I only knew maybe just like the tip of the iceberg. So on Tuesday's show, we'll be devoting two segments to unpacking the information and the questions that were asked in, on yesterday uh, about George Soros and what he does. The, they call him the destroyer of economies. We'll talk about that. We'll, I'll, I'll explain how he does that. And I'll explain some of the reactions from different uh, world leaders uh, on behalf of what he's done positive and the negative things that he's done. Uh, So when we get back, we'll hear a little bit from Dinesh D'Souza on George Soros to kind of open it up. And we'll take your calls. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Stacey on the right. We'll be right back. Just a minute with Stacy Washington. Just how many genders are there? Scientific evidence has shown that our DNA is encoded male or female. There are no other designations at the genetic level. Tell that to legislators in Massachusetts. Their attempt to follow the trend in Europe of permitting a third gender designation of X on driver's licenses was thwarted by a quick-thinking Republican, State Representative Jim Lyons. Lyons knew that each amendment to a bill in the Massachusetts state legislature must be given 10 minutes for debate and three minutes of voting time. 
Instead of considering the X designation only, he added all 73 of Facebook's gender options for consideration as well. Debating all of the gender options would cause their reasoning for allowing just the one edition to fall apart. As time was of the essence, as Lyons completed amendments for 35 of the 73 gender options, his Democratic counterparts withdrew the bill. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Yo, yo, what's up? Hey, hey what's nothing up? much, man. Just trying to listen to this last song for the music final. Yeah, I think I'm going to fail for the most part. I haven't even listened to it. Ugh, yeah, me neither. I've been too busy listening to The Word on the Street. The, the Word on the street. street? Wait, you guys haven't heard? Not, not heard of it. Not, me. not that one. Well, check this out. There is only one true word, and that is the Word of God, which is what you will hear on Word on the Street, hosted by me, Victory McIntosh. Tune in as we discuss some of the latest hot topics and life issues and filter them all through the Holy Word of God. It is possible to live righteous before the Lord and enjoy doing it. Tune in Saturday mornings at 9 Central Time. You don't want to miss it. This is House Call for Health. A new study looks at the human attention span. During the time it took me to say that last sentence, your focus may have shifted a dozen times. The research finds that our attention span jumps four times per second. Now, you may think that it would be impossible to get anything done if we're constantly being distracted by something shiny over there in the corner. And there were studies a few years ago blaming our electronic devices for destroying our ability to concentrate. But researchers at Princeton and UC Berkeley say... Our jumps in focus are actually healthy for us as a species. Let's say you're walking in the forest and see an apple tree. You grab a shiny red apple and focus all your attention on it, and you don't notice the wolf that also has its eyes on that apple and you. Too much focus, and you miss what's going on around you, and that's risky. For more health news, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health, I'm Joy Piazza, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. George Soros, uh, the big philanthropist who funds a lot of these anti-fascist groups, he just gave $50,000 to the group called Refuse Fascism, and he poses as a champion of what he calls the open society. Well, I found a very interesting interview that he did with Steve Croft of CBS News, in which Steve Croft asked him, he says to Soros, hey Soros, isn't it true that when you were in your teens, you and another guy were going around your native Hungary, confiscating the property of Jews? and turning it over to the Nazi-dominated regime. Soros goes, yes. And isn't it true that you, in a sense, became a collection boy for Hitler? And Soros goes, yes, I admit I, I did. And then Croft says, and don't you feel bad now looking back on it, all the stuff you did when you were young? You were young, it's to be sure, but surely you can have regrets as an older mm-hmm. man. And Soros goes, and this is the key, I have no regrets. He goes, all that bad stuff was going to happen anyway. And so I merely took, played my role. I took advantage of it, just like I take advantage of markets. So, wow. 
here is the secret history of George Soros. Notice that he's been able to get away with this. The left knows about all this, but they give him a pass because he's, quote, fighting fascism. No. When you actually look at Soros' history, you actually see a very dark side, which is, which is confirmed not just by what he did then, but the way he feels about it now. Richard. Mm. So that was Dinesh D'Souza breaking down information on George Soros, and there's so much more. I listened to that. Was, I watched it. Was a, it was a YouTube clip, and I was watching it, and I'm thinking, wow. And the interview was about – it was much longer than that. So I'm watching it. I'm, I'm absorbing the information. I thought, wait a minute. He was on 60 Minutes? I bet you that's available. So I dug that up, and that one was pretty lengthy. And I listened to that. I'm like, oh. And then there was some more. So – Really, we'll, we will have a full two segments. We'll take calls during those segments on Tuesday, and you'll be able to weigh in and get other questions in about, uh, you know, just who this guy is and why we allow him to operate in our country. I know we have a free country and we have a lot of liberty and we're not like a command and control economy like in communist China where, coincidentally, he's not allowed to operate. And... But I mean, it just seems like we would be able to protect ourselves from him because we know he doesn't have our best interests at heart. He really does believe that he has the best ideas and he can control things by using his stature as a multi-billionaire and one of the richest men on the planet and his use of money to he'll just he'll he's given more aid to countries, individual countries in some cases than America has our government. We give seven hundred million. He'll give a billion. He he'll he'll do things that actually cost him two or three billion dollars, and he's still fine. He's a threat to us. So we'll definitely get into that. Um, I am kind of enjoying some of the tweets that people are putting out about um, the hats and the different things that people are wearing to the funerals that are going on today. <laughs> Apparently, um, there have been multiple outfit changes at Aretha Franklin's funeral by the actual deceased. I don't even know how that was possible. Um, so there's been a ton of, of fun things on that. And I tell you what, I've had such a huge response from people um, on my little coffee rant from the other day where I was talking about how their coffee machine was broken and people have just been responding to that. People understand what's going on. People understand that not only do you need your coffee, but also it's an important time for us in America because pumpkin spice latte flavoring, pumpkin spice, it's back. The pumpkin flavored muffins are back. Everything's back. And we're all basking in the joy of being Americans and being able to enjoy this, this, this new flavor combination. It's wonderful. Pretty soon, the pumpkin pies will be back. Yeah. It's going to be pretty awesome. So, um, I'm not sure if you have big plans for the weekend. We are excited about having um, our college student back at home with us for the weekend and spending some time with her. Apparently, she has a cold, so I'm going to be on chicken soup duty, making homemade chicken soup and tending to her as if she were still a small child, even though she's a young woman. <laughs> so there'll be that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that you're going to have a wonderful, relaxing, unplugged weekend, one extra day of fun to enjoy yourself and really um, maybe get some things done. I was giving that analogy about the garage, and I recently have kind of looked around in there and thinking, this might be my weekend where I pull like masses of stuff out and it just gets carted off. I'm not sure where all that stuff came from. 
I refuse to take responsibility for it being there, but I will take responsibility for it being carted off and getting out of there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, um, the, the next steps with the big agreement that was just signed between Mexico or proposed, proposed and accepted, but not really signed yet. They're still working on that because that's a congressional type thing between Mexico and the United States. I'd love to see some more details on it. And then apparently the talks between America and Canada have already fallen apart. I mean, like they work with Mexico for weeks, but now the whole Canada thing is it's already blown up. She is presently being live streamed, Canada's foreign affairs minister, Christia Freeland, is holding a press conference in the Embassy of Canada saying that um, there's not going to be a deal. Now, I don't know how they think they're going to get their cars down here because they're not. Donald Trump already said he's going to put tariffs on all that stuff. And you know what? Good. We can buy some American made cars, all of us Americans. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about doing. I'm. I want to put my money where my mouth is. I'm thinking about like do and obviously Honda has plants in the United States, but how about a car that was made completely in the United States, not just finished here? Or how about a car that was made in the United States, originates from the United States and is manufactured in the United States? Does that kind of car exist? I don't know, but I'm going to check and see. Um so we'll see about that. So a lot of the pivoting over to Hollywood, a lot of the different um, individuals in Hollywood are starting to see the uh, kind of ramifications of having this constant um, political discussion, never having any place on TV where you can go, where you can just escape from it, like the nighttime TV and everything being so politicized. So Lorne Michaels had actually talked about this a few months after Donald Trump took office. He was in a meeting with fellow television executives, and one of them asked him about the threat to the late-night juggernaut. Was he worried that his program could face ratings swoon because Jimmy Fallon was much less political than rival Stephen Colbert? Well, Michael said he wasn't. He brushed it aside, and he didn't seem concerned at all. He said that the pendulum would swing back and Fallon would be fine, but now he's turned out to be mistaken. Oh, my goodness. The Tonight Show has been losing ratings for total viewers to CBS is the late show as audiences seem to want the acerbic anti-Trump comments of Colbert. They prefer it to O'Fallon's to Fallon's nonpartisanship. I think that's kind of sad. I think what we're seeing is a lot of people are choosing to watch because they want to see what the flamethrower is going to say next while simultaneously saying that they don't like the way Donald Trump throws flames. Donald Trump's a flamethrower, and so is Colbert. Donald Trump throws flames, and it's a travesty. It's of the highest order. It's like we need to, you know, pull some walls down and, you know, march with some weird anatomical hats because Donald Trump tweeted. But when these different late-night hosts are on TV spreading lies and saying horrible things about the president, well, that's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it comports. Either you don't want to hear people who aren't political commenting on politics and you don't want the president to be acerbic in his tweets on, you know, online social media or flip it. You're the other way. It's not okay for you to say, well, he can't do that. He's the president. But then to say about other people, well, he can do that. Um, 
because he's he's a comedian and he's spreading lies because that that's my problem with these comedians. They don't know enough about politics and what's going on in Washington, D.C. They're not doing the reading. So half the stuff that they're saying about the president and his policies are untrue. Untrue. So in another pivot, talking about technology, I, I'm. I'm really surprised by this. It's over at fastcompany.com. They're reporting that Apple is blocking their gay pride watch face in Russia. So listen, if they can block it in Russia, why do we have to have it here in America? If, if it's not censorship to block it in Russia, if it's not anti-LGBT bigotry to block it in Russia, then why do we have to have it in the United States? Do you see the double standard there? Apple would say we have to have it in the United States. But in Russia, where they know if they put it out there, they can have all of their products banned, well, then you don't have to have it. So they're self-censoring the gay pride watch face on the Apple Watch, considering how big a supporter Apple is of LGBTQ ETC rights. iOS developer Gilherm Rambo found evidence that the pride Apple Watch face is hard-coded not to show up if the paired iPhone is using the Russian locale. Verge also tested this and found that once an iPhone running the latest iOS 12 beta is switched to the Russian locale, the pride watch face simply disappears. Oh, Russia has passed strict gay propaganda laws since 2013, making actions like supporting LGBTQ rights punishable by jail time. Though Apple must comply with the laws of a country if it wants to operate there, the removal of the pride watch face one disappoints fastcompany.com. Oh, so sad. Yeah, I'm not sad, by the way. That's sarcasm. Um, So there's a ton of, I guess, people just not really happy about that. I guess probably the people who are okay with the seaweed going to the cows probably feel the same way about me not wanting that as I feel about the pride watch face thing. So there's, there's all of that. And then... There's this secret DMV office. I don't know if you guys uh, saw this, but apparently there's a DMV office in North Carolina that is operated one week each month from January to August. So WBTV did a big investigation into this special DMV office. When they realized that they were being investigated, the spokesperson said the office doesn't actually exist. Then the spokesperson said, yeah, it exists. Um, it, it's only available by appointment to certain state employees. So you know how horrible it is to go to the DMV. I mean, it's improved ever so slightly, but not enough to make you want to go there. So you have to go there to register your tags or to get your driver's license renewed. And you do it because you have to. You're forced to do it. Because you don't want to get pulled over. So what they did was they opened up an office one week a month, January to August, for government employees. A special office where they could go in and get stuff done quickly and efficiently. Not like for the rest of the people. So WBTV obtained the list of appointments for the week to operate, the office was operating in the month of August. The DMV used the online tool Signup Genius to schedule appointments. And anyone with the link to the page can view the list of employees who schedule appointments. But a lawyer with the North Carolina Attorney General's office has refused to produce the sign-up sheets for the additional uh, months. 
Those were made private by the DMV following the event in response to a public records request uh, that was submitted by the WBTV folks. (laughs) Proof that the DMV in North Carolina needs to be improved is that state employees would rather go to a special office that's a secret and use it instead of going to the regular DMV with the rest of us peons. Remember I talked about elites, these people, these government employees, they think they're elites. They think, oh, we don't have to go to the same one everybody else goes to because those ones aren't that good. All right, so I promised we would talk about, um, and it was the title of the show as well, this driver who allegedly killed an Oregon couple in a DUI crash is an illegal alien. Are you shocked? I'm not. The man suspected of killing an Oregon couple in a high-speed drunk driving collision earlier in August is an illegal immigrant from Mexico. Eduardo de Lima Vargas, 39 years old, ran a red light on a state highway in Salem, Oregon on August 19th, striking a motorcycle being driven by Logan Wilson and his wife, Jesse, age 34 and 32, respectively. The collision tossed the Wilsons from the motorcycle, fatally injuring them both. Vargas drew a point. 10 blood alcohol level on a breathalyzer roughly two hours after the crash. So two hours after the crash, his blood alcohol level was still 0.10. The legal limit is 0.8, 0.08. 0.08 is drunk driving. 0.06 is legally impaired. And this guy blew a 10 two hours later. So he was probably a 12. He could have even been as high as a 14. Unbelievable. They say they believe he was probably driving at twice the legal alcohol limit at the time he crashed. The Wilsons are survived by four young children. He remains in state custody on a $500,000 bond. Man. Two people who didn't have to die, except our border has to be open because liberals say so. Unbelievable. All right. That's the show. God bless you. Have a fantastic evening and weekend and uh, Labor Day. We'll be back on Tuesday. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association. Urban Family Talk. Urban Family Talk.